buy into this. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that guarantees one in every seven episodes will be funny or your money back. I'm Max. And I am JR. Uh, I don't know if that's legally binding or not. Uh, they can know. have their money back. Well, now, yeah, but like if we start, if we, if at some point we reach enough people that we start a Patreon or something, like I don't want to, I don't want to have to. We'll have to start a third show for the Patreon exclusives. Yeah. Now that we've know. made that guarantee, uh, <laughs> that's what people do. That's what everybody does is like, you have your free show. That's right. this. That's what we're doing yeah. here is the free show to drag people, to hook them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're so very effective at that. And then we do... Then we did. We have topped 200 people on Facebook. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I appreciate every one of those people. Um, but the... I don't. I appreciate the ones... They're all interchangeable no, to me. I appreciate the ones that are people. Knowing Facebook. Well, still, I mean, it seems it seems odd that we will have had like no bots for a couple of years and then suddenly be inundated with bots now. Like, I don't, I don't know. know. Man. There's a threshold and then it's like once you peek your head above, that's when they start pounding. Oh. Probably. Good, I could use a good pounding. Court knows. Um, uh, <laughs> I was going to say something. How are you doing? Other than needing a pounding. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm fine. Uh, things have been wonky, but they're, they're okay. Uh, managed to get a new episode of How Marvelous posted, so if you haven't checked that out do um you know it's the issue we talk about in this episode is not great uh but it's is that the fantastic four had different powers yeah it's just like hey what if the fantastic four you know were essentially the same (laughs) we're eventually essentially yeah. Yeah. What if there were no connective tissue to their powers? Yeah. Um. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. It was my birthday on Wednesday. And oh shit! I'm sorry. Nah, I didn't do anything. That I have actually... a really hard time keeping track of shit like that. Like, so... I don't know anybody's birthday except for my immediate family and Jocelyn. Um. Facebook was how I keep, how I kept track of some of that stuff, and like now that I don't use it, like it's ostensibly I have a Facebook, right? Like I have a page, an account, yeah. But uh, I never use it, so everyone that I'm friends with on Facebook has basically decided to ignore me, and that's okay. I yeah. I get, it. um, yeah. but yeah, uh. My brother was, I don't know if he was being hilarious or, like, hopeful. 
<clears throat> but he texted me. He was like, "Happy birthday! You got any pla any big plans for today?" And I was like, "No. What the hell am I gonna do?" And I was like, "You know, he's actually right. If I were, if I were to put any effort into it at all, I could probably figure out something." And right. I just didn't. Um, yeah. It's the same way with like my parents were like, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I'm like, "I'm a 36 year old man." with a job like the things i want i just get and they're like and if i don't want if i don't have it now it's because i either don't want it enough to like spend the time to go out and get it anyway then they're thrown i did a really good job with the last five years because of the move to pittsburgh and the move back of like keeping my footprint my things i own footprint very low because yeah. moving 800 miles or a thousand miles sucks and the less stuff you have the easier it is um yeah and uh yeah so that's a weird rant i you know the problem that i have with birthdays and christmas and stuff like that is that generally speaking like i am i am hard to shop for and that is because most of the stuff that I want uh, is either so esoteric that it would take way too long to explain to someone, okay, so... <laughs> um, I want this $350 replica of Thor's hammer that is right. made by a person, not a company, from Denver. And here's why. Yeah. And... You know, so it's either so esoteric or just, it's generally just easier to say, just give me money, I guess. Like, I'll just buy the stuff that I want and it's easier because I could set up like an Amazon wish list or something, but that always seems so thirsty. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just like, I'm really buy me stuff. I'm really torn on that because when we were still buying gifts in the family, like, that was really good for, like, my sister-in-law. Because mm -hmm. I could probably get her anything, and she'd think it was hilarious if I put any effort into it. But, like, it's just easier to be like, here are a bunch of things I want. I'm like, eh, that one. Uh, okay. But setting up the list feels very thirsty, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's all i just it's one of those things of if someone if someone were like hey what do you want for your birthday i would not feel right being like well here's my amazon wish list uh like i was prepared for people to try to buy my love so yeah. whatever uh comics i guess no news this week Whatever. They, they didn't do anything. The world, the world <laughs> is a dumpster fire. So, yeah, you know, when, that's your news. We were talking about your cat. I was like, I need something in the world to go right before my cat dies. Like, I just yeah. need one good, good news. Like, actually, yeah. legitimately, like, we're we're turning this boat around. 
good news. And then he's free to go. <laughs> no, no good no good news in the twilight of humanity, man. <sighs> Speaking of, Power Man. Okay, Power Man number 41. Uh, has a cover by Ernie Chan and is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Lee Elias, inked by Tom Palmer, colored by George Russo's, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and edited by Marv Wolfman. Who did you say uh, drew these? Uh, this issue was penciled by Lee Elias. Man, what has he got against the human face? Uh, there's some there's some weird stuff happening <laughs> in the in these issues. There's one I posted it on Twitter. There's a panel where uh, Luke Cage and new character Thunderbolt are like doing a like predator hand slap like oh but, yeah uh, but it's weird because it looks like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's it's an odd it's oddly drawn and i get it like hands are hard hands are hard but sure but anyway loop throughout this and maybe it's actually the anchor but throughout this he just looks like most of his like parts of his body have just been pummeled with a gold bar like he looks yeah. a bit of hamburger and i don't know a bit lumpy a bit lumpy yeah and yeah. i'm like why do, this is a weird choice but yeah i was I, so literally i thought to myself this is weird i guess it's i'm glad i only have five or six issues of this thank god yeah yeah so it's been a minute since we read power man if you'll recall the last time we read Power Man, um, Luke was in a bit of trouble because the IRS is like, hey, Luke Cage, you've not paid any taxes. Uh, yeah. And so uh, also Noah, the doctor, was injured in a fight with who cares, whatever. Yeah, uh, but he's now out of the hospital, and um, so yeah, but uh, Lou. So there's a new superhero called Thunderbolt, who does the uh, the Batman versus Superman thing of branding the people he captures, uh, so that you know they will be forever marked. Um, which, how, Thunderbolt does not last long as a superhero. How much would it suck to be branded by a superhero that, like, does not last long? And then, like, 20 years later, people are like, hey, what's that thing on your head? And you're just like, oh, well, there was this, there was this superhero... Uh, he called himself Thunderbolt. You know, like, yeah. if, if Spider-Man went around branding people, would be like, <laughs> oh shit, you were branded by Spider-Man. Holy hell. Whereas <laughs> this, it's just like, what is that? Is that a birthmark? Like, what what happened? <laughs> um, but so, this dipshit Thunderbolt is running around. He's got super speed. Who cares? Um, Luke, meanwhile, is approached by 
this guy named Jack Smith who's like, hey, we need you to protect a shipment of gold going from uh, New York to Washington. Because there's this asshole named Goldbug who's probably going to try and steal it. He sent us his calling card. Uh, we want you to protect the money. So Luke is like, cool, how much? And he's like, thousand now, thousand when you get there. So he takes the job. It turns out Jack Smith is Goldbug. Uh, so he goes after it and he's got this weird glider hovercraft thing. He goes after it. Meanwhile, uh, Thunderbolt becomes aware of the shipment, uh, because, you know. Well, he figures out because he's an ADA and he hears about the shipment and the Thunderbolt or the gold bug calling card via his contacts there yeah um so okay there's a fight with thunderbolt and cage fight because of course they do because misunderstandings got a misunderstanding Goldbug steals all the gold um the only thing that's cool about the fight is that at one point thunderbolt and cage thunderbolt's kind of kicking cage's ass it's sort of even-handed uh cage grabs this re chunk of rebar folds it into like a staple and throws it at uh thunderbolt stapling him to the wall around yeah. his midsection and i'm like that's cool that yeah. was the only part of the fight that i was like oh damn all right cool yeah. uh at that point they are able to have a bit of a talk where thunderbolt can try to convince cage that he's not actually bad or trying to steal the cash it's that guy over there stealing the money, stealing the gold. He's the one that wants to steal the gold. Um, yeah. Cage is a bit of a meathead in this one. They get on the thing uh, and manage to kick Goldbug out. Oh, no. They go to the ship. Cage gets encased in gold uh, and... Tossed out the ship. Uh, Thunderbolt. Which, and then... Goldbug's weapon here is really annoying. Okay. Because he is... Uh, he is encasing Cage in gold. Why? Like, if I'm robbing banks, I'm not going to develop a money gun. <laughs> I'm not going to develop a gun that shoots rolls of thousand dollar bills. Like, cause then like, why are you robbing a bank? You have rolls of thousand dollar bills to just blow. What are you doing? You don't need the money. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, but yeah, so Thunderbolt he gets encased in gold and Thunderbolt saves him because super speed and they go back to Goldbug gets away. Goldbug gets away. They go back to the theater. Uh, Smith or whatever the fuck his name was. What's his name? Jack Smith. Yeah. Jack Smith is there. So with the... Everything about this is fucking generic. Well, everything about this is very, what's this guy's name? Because I'm never going to see him again. Um, but He's there with the cops and he's saying, arrest this man. He's the one who was trying to steal the gold. Uh, 
whatever. The only thing throughout all of this that I like, even though it's a little heavy-handed, is that before and and before anything else happens in this issue, uh, him and Claire, Luke and Claire, are having a discussion about how basically the nature of their relationship and like whether or not like she loves him, but like his methods are a bit shoot for punch first, use brain maybe, um, and he she's kind of calling him out on that. Now, the reason why I say that's a little heavy-handed is because this that is specific to the way Luke is acting in this issue, right? He doesn't really do that before this. Um, yeah. In this issue, he's very much like, nope, punching it! Like, just throwing himself into violence as soon as possible. Yeah. I don't... I like her standing like setting boundaries and like telling him what she wants, but I don't like it because it's way contrived. Like, yeah. um, it doesn't really work because it doesn't, it only suits this story. Yeah. Whatever. So yeah, uh, Power Man number 42 has a cover by Ron Wilson and is inked by Alex Nino, colored by Don Moorfield and lettered by John Costanza. The the whole Jack Smith and the cops thing is diffused pretty quickly. Thunderbolt bolts. Yeah. And uh, Cage is just like, bro, you hired me to protect the gold. Why would I steal the gold? I'd be like the prime suspect. And the cops are just like, so wait, you hired him? You didn't tell us that. That's fine. What are we even doing here? <laughs> and it's dealt with. Uh thunderbolt we find out he's the ada um his little brother was murdered because somebody had it out for him uh so then like he was struck by lightning and so was the killer uh cobalt radiation as a treatment because we haven't learned that's not a mis or that's a mistake yet um, and he became Thunderbolt. Who cares? Uh, so they meet up again and they, uh, they go after Goldbug, uh, at this chop shop. But when they get there, Goldbug escapes, uh, they, uh, and tries to kill them with this, Thing, but they manage to get out before it even closes around them uh, and so they attack him aboard his hovercraft the ship gets damaged and is getting ready to crash that's it yeah power man number 43 <laughs> uh, is colored by Janice Cohen um, so Goldbug escapes um, they manage to they managed to bring the thing down. Uh, what? It, what? It, I guess it's a hovercraft, so it wouldn't really have flaps. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of weird because it's just like uh, Cage climbs on it and then manages to use his weight to veer it slightly into not killing a bunch of people. 
Um, but they get away before the yeah. cops show up. And uh, so Luke goes back to his office and Oliver P. Sneagle of the IRS is there. So Luke is just like, fuck this. And so he goes and says goodbye to Claire and Noah. And then he hops a train for Chicago. Um, but of course, this being comics, uh, he gets on the train and wouldn't you know it, Gideon Mace, uh, is on the train as well. You would think, you would think his having a giant fucking mace for a hand (laughs) would have been an issue, like getting on the train, like somebody would have been like, oh yeah, you can... You got to leave that behind. And he'd be like, well, it's my hand. And they're like, nope, sorry. Um, but so. Don't you have Kate like a. Like, you're going to have to check that. Do you have like a regular hand? Like a. Or even like a. Just a, a wooden hand you could say. Or a hook. Do you have a hook? <laughs> like literally. That would be less threatening. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's a mace. That seems to be vibrating. With some sort of uh, energy. I'm going to have... And, uh, this... and not a small amount of malice, sir. Uh, <laughs> may I say that? There seems to be an air of malice coming from your mace. This being uh, the same universe with, I don't know, Thor and Spider-Man and Hulk. And, yeah, you're just going to have to check that because that, that that's tripping my weirdometer. So, you. You, you're a villain. So, like, if you, if you, <laughs> assuming you are able to suspend disbelief long enough to believe that William Mace or Gideon Mace could, uh, I nearly said William H. Mace, uh, <laughs> could get on a train, uh, you now have to suspend it even further to somehow believe that it is the same train as the dude he fought before. Uh, and he's like, oh shit, Luke Cage is here. And so he attacks him. There's a scuffle. Cage gets knocked off the train. And he's like, well, shit. Uh, but he manages, he goes over and starts trying to thumb a ride to Chicago. Uh, he is picked up by a woman named Burgundy. Burgundy is all over his dick. And uh, takes him to Chicago, brings him to her place, is like, hey, take a shower. There's some clothes in the closet. You like yellow? I hope so. Uh, Stuff like that. He gets out of the shower and, oh my God, her employer wants to meet him. Maybe he, he can have a job. And he's like, cool, baby, let's do it. So they go and wouldn't you know, it turns out suspension of disbelief stretched even further her boss is one gideon h mace uh what the fuck ever i hate mace not in garbage not in like a i hate him i do not love to hate him i just hate him hate him because he's a shitty villain and his shtick boils down to I'm a crazy fascist? Like... Yeah. Yeah. So... (laughs) 
and it feels it like I genuinely believe this is Don- this is who Donald Trump wishes he could be. Like he wishes <laughs> this he was this hard, you know? Yeah. I uh, I just it's so and like actually like the last issue he was or the last storyline he was in was better than this. And that's kind of telling you where the bar is here. Because yeah. this is dumb. Yeah. Alright, moving on. Let's punch through it. Power Man number 44 has a cover by Gil Kane and Dan Adkins. Written by Ed Hannigan and Marv Wolfman. Inked by Tom Palmer and lettered by Joe Rosen. So, Luke Cage is captured. And uh, he he is then led through Mace's uh base as mace explains the case uh as far as what it may be um the this whole thing like it's just it's an info dump for the reader because it makes no sense for mace to show him all of this but Luke, of course, manages to get free. Um, and Mace is like, oh, damn, who knew that was going to happen? Uh, he goes he goes to Burgundy's apartment, which... Okay, so none of this makes sense. He... First of all, during the info dump, Mace is very clear... At least twice, maybe during this info dump and another one, that Luke Cage is now, even though he didn't even know he exists where he was or had any plans for him before he was on the train, but now Luke Cage is integral to this play. He needs him. Yeah. To be alive for later. Okay. That's dumb, but. You've established that, so fine. That's dumb thing number one, because it turns out he, no, he's, no, not at all. Uh, and then, just no. Just, he's not integral to the plan at all. He, t- it, like, he's not using Luke Cage as a statement or anything. He ties him to a bomb and leaves him in a sewer. Like, out of sight of everyone. That's not integral to yeah. the plan. That's, you tied a dude to a bomb. Um, and and not even a bomb you're going to place like at city hall or on in front yeah of anybody on a it's, rooftop it's, or it's in, in the, the sewer yeah it's in the sewer no one no one, no one even the knows best, it's there the best you could hope for is that somebody will brave the fallout after the fact and like find the the remains of Luke Cage tied to this thing <sighs> and just be like oh. There was somebody there, and they died. There's somebody there, and there's nothing here to eat. Bye. (laughs) Um, And then the other dumb thing is him going to Burgundy's place. Because, and like, I think he rationalizes it as, I don't know anyone else. Yeah, Yeah, but but like, the one person you know in (laughs) Chicago... Is the person that for sure betrayed you to your face. Like, yeah. 
You don't so, go to that well. What is the plan? <laughs> <laughs> like, walk me through this, Luke, because it seems like if I'm being charitable, it seems like your plan is, hey, baby, remember how you wanted to bone me? Um, please don't call your boss. And she was like, I am definitely not calling my boss. Click. <laughs> like, it is, yeah, he is. He is apparently going to uh, attempt to turn her to the side of the angels through the power of that good, good dick. Uh, which does not work. She kisses him while pressing a button with her feet, which seems like a terrible, like, having a button that's just, like, in the middle of the floor that she can just, like, step on. Um... How does that not get stepped on, like, all the time? Just, like, she comes out of the shower. She's not paying attention. Maybe she got some shampoo in her eyes. Oops. She's alerted Mace <laughs> that there's something wrong, and now Mace is seeing everything. She's called in uh, a strike force on her own apartment. <sighs> um, shockingly, Mace shows up with his men, and Luke is recaptured. Uh, there's this whole so, backstory about, like, her deal and... So she's on Mace's side because Mace told her that her husband fiance in who was killed husband. in who was killed in Vietnam was uh had saved Mace. Yeah. Mace lost his hand trying to save her husband. Yeah, that's what it was. As a result of which he was drummed out of the army. And yeah, and, and Cage is just like, wow, that sounds like complete bullshit. And she's like, well, no, that's what he told me. He's and like, he's just like, you might want to check on that. Pretty sure so you she, can go ask. And she, so she does. And she gets the file like immediately. And not even she doesn't even ask for her husband's file. Which I could understand, like, somebody yeah. being like, yeah, you have a right to see this. She asks for Mace's file. And they're just like, yeah, here you go, civilian. I don't need a name or, like, you to sign this out or anything. Just here you go, random grieving widow. She says, and she says to the guy at the records office, yes, my husband died in Vietnam. Here's his ID. Okay. I wonder if you could give me any information on his commanding officer. What? Like, I'm pretty sure that guy goes, I'm very sorry for your loss, but no. Like, I, I, I would mean, imagine, I, I'm sure there's a protocol for that, but I don't think it's, here yeah, you, sure, here you go. Yeah, you definitely I, don't I, get I feel ever. like there's at least a form yeah. you have to fill out and like has to... You know, it has to go through the proper. Like you don't just Somebody you don't just come review. in and be like, "I need information on a guy." Please give me information on this guy, and they're just like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" It's not like the military has any secrets or anything. <laughs> yeah, the army um, the army personnel records are not a fucking public library, right? Like you don't get to just take stuff. <laughs> There's a reason yeah. for that. So. 
so she goes to the famously upfront and out in the open uh, <laughs> military, asks for the file, and discovers that he was lying to her the whole time. Right. And that he was drummed out, like... Uh, he was drummed out over a severe case of... Uh, being a fascist lunatic? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so she's like, oh, that's bad. Um <laughs> But she goes and she's like, hey, you're a fascist lunatic. And he's like, you got me, but it's too late. And, and I love Luke that. Cage... That is his reaction. <laughs> yep. Like, <laughs> she's like, you're a murdering asshole. And he's like, dear, I indeed am. However, I have a bomb now. So. Yeah. yeah. So Luke is tied to it. And ostensibly, Maze is going to blow up Chicago in order to then take over America. Well, you the know, whole... it's, one of, it's one of the well. So his the way it's initially presented yes. is he's going to blow up Chicago as the thing about the cobalt bomb. Thing. He explain or his explanation is that the cobalt bomb is like a. It doesn't. It leaves the infrastructure of the buildings intact. It only murders right. the people. So everybody dies. Then he gets to move in with his army, claim Chicago, and be like, I own Chicago, and all of the people are dead. So I really own nothing. And America will just be like, oh, I'm sorry. Here's the rest of the country. Clearly you deserve yeah, it. Yeah, it it's, it's one of those, like, step one, Blow up Chicago. Step two, question mark. Step three, seize control of America. Um, you have, so... like, again, with the bad plans, because you have no leverage. If yeah. you kill all the people, you're going if to If you be kill like... all the people in Chicago, there is nothing keeping the United States government <laughs> from bombing the shit out of you. Like, if you take over control of Chicago and, like, all the people are there, then, yeah. like, the government's going to be like, well, we can't bomb Chicago. There's a lot of civilians there. But if you kill all the civilians, then, like, the only thing keeping them from attacking you is gone. <laughs> yeah. The Imagine how much shorter Dark Knight Rises is if it was a dirty bomb and he killed everybody at the beginning. Yeah. And, oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Gotham is glass. And fuck yeah. you. Like, we'll start over. It's fine. Uh, you've killed all the... It's it's literally like the bomb goes off and then Bane is just like, <laughs> let me talk to the president. What's <laughs> that like... whistling sound? <laughs> 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 but, yeah. It's a dumb plan. But anyway, so Luke is, Luke is tied to the cobalt bomb. And whatever. So Power Man number 45 titled The Day Chicago Died. Na 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 Has a cover by Jim Starlin, written by Warner Wolfman, inked by Lee Elias, colored by Don Warfield, and lettered by Irving Watanabe. And in case you're wondering, yes, I did solely mentioned the name or the title of the issue so that I could make an AM radio reference. Anyway, uh, so he's been tied to the bomb. He manages to get loose because of course, of course he did. Um, and uh, 
he does it by collapsing the floor underneath them. They fall down into the sewers, uh, in, you know, and then whatever. He's then able to free himself. Um, he frees himself, but the bombs gets away. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really do anything with the bomb. He's just like, well, I have no way of disarming it, so I guess I'll just let it do whatever it's gonna do. Not, I'm super strong. I could pick this up and carry it to the police and be like, here, somebody needs to disarm this. <laughs> Again, kind of a meathead move, but whatever. So he goes to the police, and the police are just like, yeah, we heard about that. So Luke starts working with them to try and find the bomb. Uh, and it's not going well because the bomb has moved. And it, it's been like washed away with all the shit. And uh, ends so up in Luke's a, just... Uh, just spoiler alert, I guess. Ends up in a public park. So Chicago has... <laughs> <laughs> has serious zoning issues. Yeah. Um, anyway. Kids in Chicago in the 70s were apparently playing in raw sewage. Yeah, well. Um, so Luke is just like, well, this isn't working. So he and Burgundy proceed to storm Mace's base. They fight Mace. Mace falls down on an elevator shaft like a little bitch because he's literally just a guy with a metal ball on his hand. Um, and Luke is just like, okay, so all you random underlings, if I ever see you again, I'm going to pound your face until it's two dimensional, uh, real quick before you go though, how do I turn off the bomb? And they're like, we don't know. Like he didn't tell us anything. And yeah. Burgundy is like, yeah, that checks out. He was that kind of guy. And Luke is <laughs> just like, well, fuck. So, Power Man number 46 uh, has a cover by Ron Wilson. This one one is interesting, uh, but it it has a cover by Ron Wilson and Ernie Chan, written by Roger Slifer and Marv Wolfman, colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Denise Wall. This is the... So... uh, This is the best issue of Power Man of the week easy not hard yeah but like because i think it's the, overall a good issue like yeah you know i think it's one of the better issues of power man in general just because some interesting things happen and we actually like yeah so go ahead um so what we get here if i'm remembering which one this is is so it is. He is running. He's looking for the bomb. He doesn't know where it is. And Chicago is a big place. But the cops are doing cop things. He needs to be doing something. So he just heads out into the streets. The armies have already... The armies mostly cleared Chicago. Right? Or they're in the possibility... Or they're in the process of clearing Chicago? Or am I making that up? I... Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know where you're getting that, but okay. Yeah, make, making that. I must be making that up. Um, so, the thing that I like about this issue is that we see Luke Cage doing more 
hero stuff, right? Like a lot of this, a lot of these issues so far have been a lot of hemming and hawing and moving paces around for some, and like getting rid of characters I liked and not doing much, right? Like yeah. it's just been annoying and in the way and sort of plotting. Um, this issue says, okay, fine, you left me with this mess. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something with it. And he gets, as he's traveling through the, through the city, he keeps getting mm -hmm. interrupted by things that happen. Um, so he gets to do hero work, even though there's a ostensibly more pressing issue that mm -hmm. he's trying to get to. Um, like, uh, he stops a mugging, he and he helps that old lady into her into her apartment with her groceries uh and then as he's running some more uh we've been sort of following this guy who's got a rifle and a mat on for and like his backstory is bad but he, so he also is witness to a sniper who murders a dude in his in his uh kitchen um and he goes and he attacks, or he dodges that guy, finds the um, the victim. I'm doing a bad job explaining this, like a really bad job. Uh, the old lady sets her sets her apartment on fire. Um, he manages to get back to her, or no, wait, that's way later. He happens across, like he he sees a building on fire, realizes that it's the same one. He helped the lady into, so he goes in, saves saves her, put out, puts out the fire. One of her neighbors is like, I know where she keeps her medicine, because that's why the place got fire, was because she, like, had an incident and passed out. Uh-huh. Uh, he, as he's going along, he comes back across the sni sniper who's gunning for his girlfriend, um, because... They had moved from Kentucky or someplace to Chicago so she could pursue her fashion career. He hated it, blah, blah, blah. So, like, the guy he shot before was someone who was involved in trying to make her career happen. Uh, Luke Cage takes the guy down. Um, stuff like that. So he, do he does a lot of, like, random other good in the process of looking for this bomb. But then he finds it where some kids are playing around it. And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? That's a bomb. And they're like, that's a bomb. And they run. So he's like trying to figure out what to do. It starts ticking. Um, and uh, they then like the cops show up and one of them's like, hey, what's that button? Does that maybe turn it off? And Luke is like. I don't know. So he presses it and it does. And it's just like this whole thing could have been avoided if Luke had just seen a button. Um, but it turns out that it's a, it's a dud. Uh, it, it's not a cobalt bomb. The apparently Mace's people who told him about the cobalt bomb being lost by the U S government in Bermuda were not able to recover it and get it to him. So he just built another bomb but it was just who cares but anyway uh somebody's just like well that was a waste of time and luke is like well was tonight a waste of time and then he's just like i saved that lady twice 
and I took out that sniper and saved his girlfriend's life. Uh, all in all, a win. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, um, it's a little Scooby-Doo at the end to be like, well, was it a waste of time? Like, to have that reflection, but I don't hate it because it's I, like... No, it's... We're not doing it justice. I mean, you yeah. know, it's 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 hard to do it justice without going literally beat by beat. But it is a good issue. Yeah. Um, check it out. Don't bother with the rest of this Mace story. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, the best thing about this is this, that Mace is not in it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank God Mace ostensibly died. But he didn't. Of course he did. But whatever. I, I was hoping you would tell me he did. But of course he didn't. No, nobody, nobody, nobody dies. And the next issue promises to be Zach's. Yeah. Uh, so Marvel 2-in-1, number 34, has a cover by John Buscema uh, and is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Ron Wilson, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Sam Cato, lettered by Bruce Patterson, and edited by Marv Wolfman. I... This issue has all the right parts yeah does that make sense yeah but it doesn't hit for me i um I, it hits it's a glancing blow for me like it does hit it like it, it, it hits but it kind of slides off the side because i i like the end maybe it's because the monster dies at the end like I think that might be it. Okay, I what, don't know. what is it? Because I, I like, I like Kyle in this, which is kind of rare. Um, like, I actually like Kyle in this, and Ben is Ben. It's hard to fuck up thing. And then, uh, I the, it, the, it's the antagonist that's the part that I'm just like, you're just a fuckhead. Quit it. Yeah, I mean, so the short version of this is Kyle is in London. Kyle's in England because work. Uh, his company found a rock <laughs> with a thing that may be in it. And so he's like, huh. And this is one of, I will say, there is an interesting thing here where. Uh, it's it's interesting to look at pop culture of the past wherein they will reference other stuff and it's interesting to look at these things and be like wow on the one hand there's stuff that invariably remains in the public consciousness you know stuff from this era that is still around like Sanford and Son, Good Times, you know, um, Smokey and the Bandit, fucking Jaws. They referenced Jaws at one point in Marvel 2 and 1 this week. Uh, uh, stuff like that. They referenced Star Wars a couple of times because it literally yeah. just came out. Yeah, and those things that we're, we're still aware of. And then there's also like the fact that one of the guys working for the English branch of Kyle Richmond's company is named like Marcus Welby, which is a reference to a show that ran for seven seasons in the 70s. 
and is just taken as you know what this is but yet i had to look it up um what it, what is it what's the show marcus welby md because he says he's like yes yes and please mark don't welby he's like That's... yes yes please no jokes and i was like yeah what yeah and i, I literally went and my, your, your, that's the difference, I guess, in our thinking here is because I went, huh, that must be a reference to a 70s thing that I am not going to look into because I don't care. And kept reading. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to see. Yeah, it's Marcus Welby, MD. Um, and it is. It's just a show about a doctor who was generally a nice guy. (laughs) Like, it's not even, it doesn't even seem to be like, it's not like a, like a drama. Like, it's not like House, where it's just like a complicated guy who's a doctor. It's just like, there's a doctor and he's a nice guy and he like helps people. And you're just like, who the fuck (laughs) wants to watch that? I do. I, that is a specific era. Eras. That is an era specific thing. <laughs> because a lot of shows in the seventies were about like you know just dudes doing good things. Whereas it fast forward to like two thousand ten era, and all of our shows about are about assholes doing good things it's like breaking bad house sopranos deadwood it's just like you're not allowed to be nice blacklist the just the best you the best you can be is complicated yeah that's it you can't be a nice guy nice guys get shot in the face by the protagonist in like, the first episode yeah um or their anyways, or their so, best friend is the nice guy trying to keep them from being an asshole all the time and failing miserably. Right. So, uh he he is brought to England to see this rock they found and there's argument about what to do about it. So Kyle brings in uh Dr. Court who just finished playing <laughs> Deathlock from uh, the control of Mentallo, uh, and Deathlock is immediately turned over to Shield. Um, so thing goes with Doctor Court to Kyle Richmond's company, uh, and they're just like, "Here's the thing." And apparently, not only are you like really good at fixing cyborgs, but also you're you know about things in rocks. Like yeah. I guess. He is um, a goddamn uh, or bio, what would that be? Techno bio geographer? No, not geologist. Geologist? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's that comic book thing of you are whatever we need you to be to get from one point to another. But right. so he does a thing. Or he stands there as they do a thing, and the thing is there, and they f- laser the rock, and then an alien comes out. And the alien is friendly, but cannot communicate with people, because apparently their greeting involves blowing shit at people. Yeah. And this shit that he blows puts people to sleep. 
Um, so he's just like, huh, that's a weird thing. I guess they were all sleepy. I'll just go and find my compatriots who arrived earlier and outlined what I was supposed to be doing here to the local inhabitants, uh, not knowing that they didn't survive uh, to tell anybody that he was coming, I guess. So nobody knows anything about this fucking thing. And so he... He goes out and it winds up that like he happens across a little girl, uh, blows smoke in her face. She falls asleep. Her dad is out hunting with his buddies with her for some reason. Because, you know, when I'm playing with guns, I want to bring my daughter. Um, yeah, this is bad, bad, bad hunting safety. And actually just bad hunting. Like, yeah, safety aside, like the last thing I want to do is bring my very loud daughter with me when I go hunting skittish animals. Yeah. My daughter who wanders off. Yeah. Uh, and none of so... them are wearing any kind of, like, orange. They're well, all... it's England in the 70s. They were probably trying to clear out the excess population. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the... Uh, the creature, they find his daughter and they see the creature and they're like, oh, shoot at it. So they take the girl to the hospital. There's a whole thing. The hospital catch catches fire and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Nighthawk and Thing go looking for the creature. They find the hospital on fire. They try to help. The monster tries to help. The monster saves a bunch of kids only to get shot all to shit uh, as it is bleeding out it goes back in to help nighthawk who was trapped trying to save a kid uh it comes out having saved everybody and promptly dies and everybody's just like there's a lesson in all of this did you get it reader did you understand what we were going for and i'm just like yeah i got it thank you thank you comics for trying to make me a better person And I think that's where it misses for me. It's like, that's where I'm like, yes, I, I got it. Thank you. You don't have to hit me this hard with it. I mean, you I'll, know, it's Kyle saying it directly at the asshole, which is yeah. kind of fun too. Uh, that's at least fun. It's like, are you sure that thing was the monster? You asshole. And he's like, <laughs> uh, the one that saved 25 children? Um, uh-huh. Who killed something here? Was it, was it him? <laughs> no. And it's like, Kyle, you can back off. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's the lack of subtlety, uh, because even before I got to the end, I was just like, okay, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah. They're going to shoot the monster. The monster's going to die. It'll turn out that the real monster was man. I get it. Let's do this. Like, you know, I, I think honestly, I would have liked it more had it just been like the monster saved some kids and then everything was fine. And, like, 
at least that would have been a subversion of what I was expecting. Yeah, I, but... that, I think that's what I was meaning when I said earlier that yeah, I think it sucked that he died. Like, if it would have just lived and been like, well, what the fuck do we do now? And like, well, I have a very nice scientist who's pretty good at whatever it is you want. Uh, you're going to go live with him now. All right, cool. Tell him about whatever it is you're doing here. We don't We don't care. Well, I mean, I have a girlfriend and he has a company. Uh, I, and, and this is Kyle plant. Richmond. <laughs> discreet yeah. my dude discreet yeah uh, he's just uh, kyle richmond is just like let's go after this thing and and he's immediately just like oh by the way i'm night hawk <laughs> and he's I like mean? i was okay. pretty he does say i'm pretty sure you could hit you could take it because uh you you know are ben Grimm. anyway yeah. all right uh, these next two issues, I feel like we can pretty much blow through. Yes, since please. They're mostly wrapping up plot threads from uh, a book that was canceled more than a year before. 14 months before this issue came out, Skull the Slayer was canceled. So who the fuck cares? Anyway, uh, Marvel 2-in-1, number 35, has a cover by Ernie Chan and Irving Watanabe, penciled by Ernie Chan, inked by Ernie Chan, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by John Costanza. Um, the thing is, at least back in the U.S., but he's, he's asked to come down to Cape Canaveral and take this jet, uh, down into the Bermuda Triangle to try and find the cobalt bomb somebody lost. Uh... <laughs> Because, you know, what the fuck ever? We just lose bombs, apparently. Um, so, he flies this plane down and then is immediately lost in the Bermuda Triangle and is teleported to a prehistoric world where he finds Skull the Slayer and his buddies being menaced by an... A priest of some kind. They refer to him as both Aztec and Maya and is to Aztec. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It is, it is bad. But anyway, these, it's these one of those couple issues. It's one of those, like the least time we spend on that, the better, because I don't want to be even associated. Right. Like, it's just like you, you didn't even try to do any research yeah. on what you're doing talking about here so um he's priest of the jaguar or something like that is the, the most i'm willing to talk about but get get this get this um it seems that despite being described as both aztec and mayan he's incan so I I don't fucking know, but whatever. So Ben teams up with the argumentative people from Skull the Slayer, and honestly, if this is a glimpse at oh yeah what the book was like, I see why it was canceled right. because like these people are just like they can't. You're being attacked by a Tyrannosaurus, and you're arguing about whether or not a dude killed someone, yeah. like. 
Let it go. Apparently, maybe, yeah. maybe wait till we're back at camp. <laughs> at um, least. Um, yeah, the, I, I don't like any of them. Like, I really, really... They're adventure books, because, like, this is clearly styled after a pulp adventure right. serial from the what are the, what are the good ones treasure are of king solomon's mines or whatever yeah like from like, the 30s right yeah. the good ones are in the 20s and 30s and right. uh it's the same doc savage is also that right yeah um doc savage doesn't kind of live up to what i want it to be but that's what they're aiming for as well um this is the 70s version of that and it is not executed well um clearly because i hate my main character i hate his name um because his name is scully like his last name is scully and they're just like skull no scully skull it is and you're like why uh he's got a physicist doctor scientist dude like and he's a a slab of me like there's nothing to this guy other than a backstory about a self-defense murder of his brother um and that's it um and then he's got his scientist or scientist boyfriend He's got his scientist uh, antagonist. Honestly, I would that would be that because that would be ra- the way they bicker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, there's the woman there whose job is to be the woman who's there. <laughs> yes, and her whole purpose is to be like slavishly devoted to Skull, uh, because literally, like they get back to the present day at the end of these two issues and she's like, I'll wait as long as you need. And, uh, it's just like, okay, lady. And the, um, the idea is that they didn't know each other until they were on the same plane going back to the U S like, so, yeah, I, it's just so slapdash that yeah. I don't believe then, any of it. And then there's the kid who's there to be the kid's Jimmy Olsen. Like, yeah, he's exactly. just like, I'll be a character witness for you, and I don't believe you did it, Skull. And it's just like, you know, good people sometimes kill. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, look, all I'm saying is there, there is a point at which a person who is otherwise a good person can be driven to kill. <laughs> Not even in a defensive manner, but just, like, straight kill. And, like, so the fact that he's nice to you doesn't mean anything, kid. But whatever. Um, Uh, This is made... Sorry. Yeah, this is made far better by the the injection of Ben Grimm being like, Would y'all just shut the fuck up? We gotta run from the dinosaur now. I swear to God. So that his plane goes down. The crux then becomes they need to repair his plane with parts from their plane. Okay. Right. Now we're trekking across the jungle to get to their plane. Now we're being chased by dinosaurs. Now we're being chased by other dinosaurs. And the entire time they're fucking bickering and boo. Like, yeah. they're Just shifting. Everybody fuck. 
Like, just yeah. get it out of the way. Like, everybody just Look, fuck. Me and... and the kid, we'll go over there and we'll let, I'll distract it. The three of you get naked in that bush now. I'm just saying. <laughs> Why well, would they do that? Ben, ben gets to, like, here's the thing. If it's just the three of them, they're just going to fight. So <laughs> they send the kid to go collect firewood. Ben joins in. He has to be, he has to be the bridge. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah. So, and then Marvel two and one number 36 has a cover by Ernie Chan and let it, and is lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, they managed to repair the, sh- the plane and start heading. Ben uses the cobalt bomb detector as a way to find their way back to the portal that will lead to the present day. Uh, so they go through it. They are then followed by the, uh, the guy who is somehow simultaneously from every Mesoamerican civilization, <laughs> uh, who is riding a bunch of, ter- uh, and, they 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 get to the present day reed richard shows up and he's like hey i'm gonna help and so inca maya aztec guy gets arrested the pterodactyls are all on their way to the savage land and um skull gets ready to turn himself in so he can stand trial the the physicist who's been like on skull's dick the entire time keep like just being an ass you're a murderer and i hate you and i'm like yeah no this would have gotten real old if you'd have done it for eight full issues like i would have since they since they don't have any time to resolve that he out of nowhere once they're back in the modern day is just like hey so listen you did a really good job keeping us together back there. We would not have survived for two years in the past had it not been for you. And it's just like, I'm glad your book got canceled. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, whatever. I, Moving on. I really want someone to hit that well. Like, because doing a Johnny Quest, but with you know, you know, 70s characters. I like that idea. That should be a thing. Why can no one do it? It just, it sucks so bad because I want it to exist. Um, There never will. I know. Anyway, I can uh, write it. I'll write it. Fuck you. Go for it. Go for (laughs) it. I can't draw for shit, but I'll write it. Um, There are artists out there. I'll Um, pay them. Um, right <laughs> just not with exposure no uh, i will not with exposure actually or, pay them or yeah. co-ownership they'll get both money and yeah. co-ownership there uh, you go. fantastic four <laughs> just leave that right behind uh fantastic four number 176 has a cover by jack kirby and joe Sinnott and is written by roy thomas Penciled by George Perez, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Michelle Wolfman, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Roy Thomas. The Fantastic Four and the Impossible Man are on their way back to Earth 
from Counter-Earth, having saved it from Galactus. The thing just busted out of his thing exoskeleton, having been turned from Ben Grimm back into the thing. Um, in doing so, he does not know his own new strength and accidentally smashes the controls of the ship. So they're in danger of crashing into the Earth. Um, they managed to stop there, it. Sorry. There's an editor's note that's interesting that I keep thinking about from a continuity perspective. I know you're not supposed to like think about the continuity stuff, especially with two and one and Fantastic Four. Like, don't just don't think about that too hard. Um, but there is an editor's note that says that, like, where and when all of this happens is. Yeah. Everything up until two in one happened. Two in one, uh, where he leaves from Cape Kennedy or Canaveral, happens after they get back, and everything before that happened before they left to go to Counter Earth. If I remember correctly, it absolutely does not matter. Moving on. That makes no sense, though. Nothing. Ma- it doesn't make. Neither makes sense. Nothing makes sense. Because, like, if he's just been in a thing exoskeleton during his adventures in oh, England, yeah, that doesn't work at all. That does not. That does not work. But whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? I. I yeah, genuinely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the two in one timeline is not a thing we need to litigate. Uh, so. Uh, they managed to stop it from crashing completely by diverting it generally into the lake in Central Park. Um, Johnny is able to use updrafts to kind of tweak its trajectory and slow it down. Uh, once they're there, they get out and, uh... Are like, hooray, we made it back to Earth, and Impossible Man is just like, we, And he goes to Marvel offices, because why the hell not? The thing, the thing that frustrates me about this is Marvel... Marvel in the 70s is like Hollywood, in that there is nothing Hollywood loves more than seeing itself in movies. Yeah. Hollywood loves movies about how weird, magical, wonderful, whatever Hollywood is. Um, take La La Land. Yeah, like, or even Once Upon a Time. That. Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood. Like they... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bowfinger. Like, these things are all, like, there is nothing that Hollywood loves more than sitting around and jerking off about Hollywood. And Marvel in the 70s is much the same, and that's what this issue is. Impossible Man causes problems at the Marvel offices. We have cameos by a ton of uh, Marvel creators, and Impossible Man is just like, I want a book about me! And they're like, no. And then the Fantastic Four show up, and they're like, you should just tell him that you will and stanley's like all right we'll give him what he wants and then impossible man is just like thanks bye and uh so they leave and then everybody's just like so are we starting on that and stanley's like 
we're not doing that. What are you fucking high? <laughs> what are you twelve? Um, um, <laughs> so I tweeted about this, but okay. So like normally this shit annoys the hell out of me, right? I I don't like that Marvel Comics exists in Marvel Comics um, mm. because a it's confusing and b it's well it's needlessly complicated and also. I don't like that story, you know, like I don't like seeing these people in their own books. It's just weird. Um, and it annoys me, but there is one funny joke that's actually made me giggle, which is that at one point thing punches impossible man into a different room where you see the editor in chief's office. And it's got like 16 or I can't find it right now, but uh, he, it's got like six placards going down the side of it, and uh, how many different people, like, each name is crossed off as you go down, and uh, I just, I, it's funny to me. I really think that and, the, the best Roy part, Thomas. Roy Thomas is up at, like, number two or three, and then you get down, like, four or four, three or four levels deeper, and it's just Roy T-H-O. Like, and they crossed that out because he was only editor-in-chief again for long enough for them to get through the O. And then he left. I, that made me that made me giggle. I thought that was fun. Um, so, yeah. So, but other than that one, like, visual gag, yeah. this issue is largely just, like, if you've ever wanted to see everybody in uh, the Marvel bullpen at that point in time uh appear in an issue of fantastic four this is for you and um and you're if you are yeah. that person then do please watch out <clears throat> for um rogue unicorns because you clearly do not fucking exist um i mean they even introduce like a couple of it isn't the publisher because that's Stan at this point, but like there's a guy from the office, like none of the, cre he's not one of the creative team. He's one of the uh, business side dudes. And he's like, he, he's huge, like, which is funny. Um, and I imagine yeah. this guy really did exist and really was huge and really, and also kind of inflappable, but like, this isn't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> so Anyway, we, we, we move so, on. Uh, <clears throat> but at the end, the major thing is at the end of this, uh, they find out that there's an advertisement in the Daily Bugle uh, that the Frightful Four are holding auditions for a fourth member at the Baxter Building? Huh? <clears throat> That's not where they're supposed to be. Fantastic Four number 177 is written by Roy Thomas and Mike Friedrich and colored by Marie Severin. Uh, this issue is auditions for the Fantastic Four. Um, we have a couple of characters introduced. Um, the Texas Twister shows up for the first time, as does Captain Ultra. The Texas Twister um, is funny because he's yeah. like, how much are you paying? And they're like, paying? No, you get your cut of the loot. And he's like, 
Bye. I was promised yeah. base salary by another by another group, so I'm gonna go hang out with them. And they're like, "Hey, how dare you?" Uh, this is my wizard voice. How dare you? Because he's a because yeah. he's a jerk. Um, Captain Ultra shows up, and he's got amazing powers, but it turns out he's afraid of fire. Um, and passes out at the sight of it. Uh, there's a guy named Osprey whose power is literally nothing. And uh, so the wizard's just like, I bet you always wanted to fly and slaps an anti-gravity disc on him. And so he uh, goes flying off. And the wizard is just like, oh, don't worry. He'll touch down somewhere in Brooklyn or whatever. And it's just like, why did you actually care? Uh, Yeah. So it's, it's, like to the, the the quick version of this, it's 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 an episode of Venture Brothers. You know what you're in for. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and they it ends with a the mis- Fantastic Four are captured trying to get in. Yes, and strung up like in stuff. Is this when then like yeah Tigra shows up. Thundra shows up and she's like, I'm here to smash your head. But then she gets taken out. And then Tigra shows up and she's like, what if I joined? And the Sandman and Trapster are just like, no, you have a vagina. Ew. And and Wizard's just like, well, now, 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 hold on. I'm, Let's talk about this. And I love that they both... They- that one saving grace is that they they both call him on it and are like, "Hey man, you got a problem with your dick." Like, <laughs> anytime yeah. you listen, you listen to that, and it it gets us captured like every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Wizard's like, "Well, hold on a minute. I know she said. I know that the thing just said that uh, she used to be on the side of good and right, and that this turn is completely unnormal for her. But hold on." Maybe she really does want to choose. Have you you considered boobs, (laughs) tits? Um, And so I don't even think we get out of this issue before she turns on them and tries to free uh, Ben. Yep. So (laughs) she she frees Ben and Johnny. Johnny. Yeah. Um, but then like. The wizard calls downstairs and is just like, anybody with powers, please help. The Fantastic Four has um, broken out and come kick their ass, please. And uh, everybody yeah. in the, I love that everybody in the lobby is like, uh, no. And they all peace with the exception of one mysterious figure in a trench coat and hat who goes and turns into a big purple guy and goes upstairs. Yep. Um, so this purple guy, the brute, bursts in, takes on the thing, uh, like, yeah, he fights Ben and then manages to position him so he's sucked into the negative zone. Uh, Tigra and Human Torch are recaptured, uh, and Wizard's just like, hey, Welcome to the team, at which point Brute reverts to his human form. And, oh my god, it's the Reed Richards from the uh, from Counter-Earth. 
So, yeah. Uh, Fantastic Four number 178 has a cover by John Romita, Joe Sinnott, and Gaspar Saladino, and is written by Roy Thomas, inked by David Hunt, and colored by David Hunt. Um, he... So Ben is floating in the negative zone. He passes out, wakes up, and is back in the Baxter building and in a new device holding him. The one that had been holding him was now being used to hold Thundra. Um, The read from Counter-Earth explains how he came to be here and why he's now evil and on and on and on. Who cares? Um... He came to Earth with the Fantastic Four on the ship from Counter-Earth, got hit on the head, saw the advertisement, came to try out. Um, The Brute is angry because he's just like, I just want to kill the other Reed Richards. Like, I want to take his place. And they're just like, well, no, because we're going to uh, ransom the Fantastic Four. And... Counter Earth Reed Richards is just like, ugh, fine. But when we're done, I'm totally going to kill that guy. Um, so they uh, they announce the ransom. Uh, Impossible Man, who's been watching television this whole time, uh, the, the broadcast day ends, which, if you're too young to remember a time when that happened. It did not be, it used to be the case that television was all, uh, infomercials after a certain time on broadcast TV. It used to be that they just stopped broadcasting and there would just be like a picture of an indigenous man, just like, Hey, fuck you. You took my land. And, uh, and then you had to wait until morning for there to be TV again. If you were an insomniac, you couldn't watch TV all night. Um, Thank God they stopped doing that. I I like the idea that the entire country just had to go to bed at like 1130, you know? Yeah. And it was really early too. Like it it depends on the era, but even in the seventies, it was like, it wasn't like 2 AM when they turned it, when they stopped broadcasting stuff, it was, yeah, 11 and midnight. <laughs> Just... Yeah. That's why if you watch like Taxi Driver, that's why he starts driving a taxi because he has insomnia. You couldn't sit at home and just watch reruns of South Park. Yeah. You there was nothing there was nothing to watch. So you had to go like get a night job or something. Um so uh he, the He's like, what? The TV is broken. So he goes and starts fucking with the fuse box, which allows the Fantastic Four to break free. Um, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the the Frightful Four are defeated. Uh, the two reeds kind of tumble off into uh, another room. And then Reed comes back and he's just like, yeah, I blasted the Counter-Earth Reed into uh, the negative zone. But, dear reader, please believe me when I say 
that I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. But I must. Yeah. That was not Counter-Earth Reed that was blasted into the negative zone. It was, in fact, our own Reed Richards. Well, and it's not hard (laughs) to see through that, even if you're in the room. Like, our heroes kind of twig that this is probably the evil Reed fairly quickly. Yeah, everybody does. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) but, like, Ben is like... I. Bad twigs to it because he's specifically told. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, everybody else is like, both Tigra and Thundra are like, uh, I don't think that's Reed, Sue. Yeah. And Sue's like, I know, I've been thinking about that too. Um, Because, and it's like, from the jump, you're allowed to be suspicious because tossing people into the negative zone, even if they're trying to murder you, is not really a Reed Richards move. Like, yeah, he would, he does a lot of things before that. Um, yeah. Until civil war, in which case building prisons, he's just like, fuck, <laughs> chuck him in the negative zone. Whatever. Oh God. Um, I forgot. So fantastic four. Number one seventy nine has a cover by Al Milgram and Joe Sinnott. And is written by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, penciled by Ron Wilson, because apparently George Perez hurt his hand, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by George Russos, and lettered by Joe Rosen and Joe Rosen, Jim Novak, and Irving Watanabe. Uh, so this, <laughs> this is so this is there's when, a lot going on here. Yeah, uh, and a lot of it is just. Ben has never had to beat back so many women with a stick. That because yeah, Thundra is still on his jock, Tigra has decided she's about it, and so they're both just like, "Hey, want a sniff?" And he's like, "What? No, I have a girlfriend." What does that even mean? Want a sniff? I just. Yeah, um, but he gross, <laughs> and he very calmly is like with Thundra at least. He's like, we talked about this. I'm in love with Alicia, uh, or Alicia. Quit it. It's yeah. It's rude and gross, and I don't wanna. And she's yeah. like, I will not. And it's like, well, okay, uh, yeah. They go for a walk, at which point Reed has already started acting weird and like dropping character because he. And they all come he in. He keeps passing it off as like exhaustion and the loss of his powers because oh yeah, Reed has been losing his powers. And at this point, uh, he's straight up they're gone. Um, yeah, and he, but so he called a meeting, but then and everybody have showed up for the meeting. But then it was the other Reed that called the meeting. So he doesn't know what the meeting's about. And they all yeah. get pissed because they because it's a waste of time or whatever. Uh, ben finally gets tired of Thunder's advances and decides he's going to go for a walk. Um, and he also wants to clear his head about like whether or not he's really going to stick with Alicia. Which, like, just do it, you dummy. Um, and... And... Tiger follows after him. 
Tigra immediately is like, so they go on a walk, and he's like, Tigra's like, okay, that too, right? Like, Thundra, you don't need that. And I might be, think you're kind of cute and all, but really we need to talk about uh, your boss. Because something's weird. And he's like, hmm, okay. Uh, meanwhile, in the negative zone, Reed is surviving by killing bat things and eating them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, the the counter-earth Reed Richards just pisses me off because all of the stupid shit he's doing that runs the risk of uh, exposing him exposing him the worst is he keeps obsessing over what's happening in the negative zone which i get it but also like what do you you're drawing attention to the negative zone you would want people looking away from the negative zone so don't hang out by the <laughs> negative zone viewer you stupid fuck but so, uh, so yeah, so, but his whole thing is he was going to kill the Fantastic Four except for Sue because his Sue has been in a coma since their flight, uh, and everything. And so he's like, I can have everything here. Um, it's so gross. Like, but yeah, it, it is. It's super, <laughs> it's super gross. Uh, Ben and Tiger are going to get a steak. Uh, but while they, after they're done eating, uh, there is a, uh, robot that smashes up a bank. So Ben goes to fight it and there's a big fight. It ends in the harbor. Um, at the end of this, Sue is just like, I'm really freaked out about this whole thing. Um, and... Reed's just like counter earth Reed is just like no I'm legit and she's like eh. um and then actual Reed Richards in the negative zone is suddenly beset by Annihilus. Okay. Before we run past it, it's shit like this that like this evil Reed Richards, counter earth Reed Richards doing this kind of evil thing and like wanting to take slip into this Reed Richards' marriage because his Sue is in a coma. Like, that kind of really evil is why it's easy to buy when Ultimate Fantastic Four Reed well, goes full evil. And it's just like, bear in mind, fuck it. Bear in because mind, it, it, this Reed went evil because of a bump on the head. Well, yeah, but that's still like... I... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm an asshole. I, I was an asshole because I was drunk. You can ignore it. Like, no, you're a dick. It doesn't... The drunk just is a thing a next to it. Yeah. You're still an asshole. Um, yeah. That is not get you out of jail for this. Uh, yeah. And that's why, why I'm saying this is because it still is like, I don't know why you would do this except to be like, well, our read, our read is also capable of this kind of shit. And it's like... And just yeah. plant that in the reader's head. Why? Yeah. 
when this is yeah. the most I have enjoyed Reed Richards, our Reed, in these three issues in a while. Normally he annoys the hell out of me. This guy, I like when he's lost his powers and is kind of like having to deal with that. He's not whining about having lost his powers, but like, okay, I need to survive. I need to get food and fire and I need to get a figure a way out of here. Um, but I have, there are steps to that. They'll come for me eventually, probably. Uh, but like, I like this guy. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Sorry. Moving on. You're fine. Uh, so Fantastic Four number 180 is a reprint of Fantastic Four number 101. Fantastic Four number 181 has a cover by John Romita, Joe Sinnott, and Danny Crespi, and is written by Roy Thomas and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, so Annihilus, it turns out, is not so much attacking Reed. Um... Well, he does initially, but only to prove to himself that Reed is indeed powerless. Um, at which point he's just like, okay, okay, okay. I need your help. And Reed's like, what? Um, turns out that there is a threat to the negative zone that is also a threat to Earth. And so Annihilus is just like, help me fight it. Um, back on Earth, we've got Sue is... Sue... Uh, Sue and Reed kiss and she's just like, yep, you're not my husband. So she fucks off to Alicia's to go see Franklin and kind of figure some shit out. Ben and Tigra are lifting, trying to lift the metalloid out of the water. Thundra and Impossible Man show up and they're able to assist and get it done. At which point the military shows up and they're like, we want that. And things like, no. And it's a whole thing, whatever, who cares? Um, at Alicia's, Sue is talking to Alicia about the Reed thing when suddenly an image of Agatha Harkness shows up and is like, I need your son, can't explain, bye, and takes Franklin. Um, and honestly, Franklin, I have come to the conclusion that Franklin is the thing I hate most about Fantastic Four. Oh, easily. Because it's always, he's either losing his powers, gaining powers, his powers are out of control, he's got powers, but he's in danger of losing them if he uses them too much now in Fantastic Four X-Men, and it's just like... I don't care. Yeah. I do not give a shit. Franklin is annoying. Yeah. And there's way too much focus on his powers. Take him away or have him just be a guy with powers, but like knock it the fuck off. And, and uh, I, yeah. to me as well, if you're going to have him have powers, you need to let him grow up too. Yeah. Because the worst thing about someone with godlike powers is when they're just like jeepers i sure don't want to accidentally oops i turned my dad into a furby like <laughs> yeah. you know? like i don't whatever I, I think it would suck less if they let him grow up um yeah and his sister but like they're both annoying. yeah they are i like i hate them for different reasons one is Franklin does not seem to be developmentally right, which it, I mean, like he's, he's old enough 
he should be past the, oh, dad, I don't want to, like, but he's not. Yeah. And then Valyria is just so goddamn precocious, and I'm tired of precocious children. <laughs> Everything has precocious children that are just like, you know, talking like 40-year-old married couples, and I'm just like, you're you're five yeah what the fuck are you doing i don't need I, more punky brewster this is enough yeah i start i started watching i did I started not. watching single parents uh the thing with um leighton meester and uh taron killam uh brad garrett uh and, like, there's some things I like about the show, but also, like, all of the kids are fucking precocious. Every single one. Not a single one of them, like, even reads at grade level. They're all just like, well, so I put some money into my 401k. You're 10! <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, uh, so... In the negative zone, um, Annihilus shows uh, Reed Richards what's happening, and the power of the cosmic control rod has been taken by an android being controlled by the Mad Thinker. Fantastic Four number 182 has a cover by J Ron Wilson and Joe Sinnott and is written by Archie Goodwin and Led Len Wein, Jim Shooter, Bill Mantlow. These next few issues have, like, a laundry list of writers. Yeah. Uh, penciled by Sal Bushima, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, so, the thing at all, bring the Metalloid back to the Baxter building and find Reed fucking around at the Negative Zone viewer. And they're just like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, just looking at stuff like I do. Uh, you know, me, Reed Richards, always looking at shit. Um, and, uh, they're just like, huh, weird. So he's just like, uh, he gets rid yeah. of Thundra, Tigra, and Impossible Man. Sends them back to investigate clues at the scene of the, um, Metalloid Bank robbery. Uh... And then he's like, hey, so I'm going to send you two back into the negative zone. Hey, speaking and of the like, negative zone, I just got an idea. What was that? Nothing. I mean, I need you to look into it. Put on the straps. Yeah. And and Ben and Johnny are just like, duh, okay. And uh, so they put on the, they put on the, the harnesses which the Fantastic Four haven't even used for, like, a hundred issues. Yeah, this, is, uh, a, this because... is a real who's who of, like, hey, do you remember the thing? Hey, do you remember a thing from Fast Fantastic Four 11? And it's like, no, I definitely do not. Because Fantastic Four is one of those things you can't just read Fantastic Four. You have to have read all yeah. of Fantastic Four. There is no, like, hey, here's a jumping on point for new readers. It's, no, no, if you don't, if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything Jack and 
uh, Stan did back in the day, you are quite free to fuck right off. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, that's the thing, like, we learn about this android is that it was a mad thinker android, right? That they had fought in, like, Fantastic Four 2 and threw into the negative zone. When it was in the negative zone in Fantastic or it was, Annihilus explains that he found it, repurposed it as his own slave that he could definitely trust because, blah, Annihilus. And that then in Fantastic Four, like, 11 or so, they fought it again unknowing that it was the original android from before. And then it gained its, it started gaining its own sentience, stole the cosmic control rod, and then more power and more sentience. And that's yeah. why it's, now it's being, it's got its will of its own, but is also being pressed by the mad thinker from the outside. Um, which is yeah. driving it insane. It's it's yeah. does not want to comply with these rules. Yeah. Now that it's sentient, it's just like I don't want to listen to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so Ben and Johnny go into the negative zone. Sue and Alicia go to Whisper Hill to find out why Agatha Harkness took Franklin and arrived just in time to see them being teleported away and agatha harkness is just like i'm sorry i fucked up and uh so ben and johnny are floating through the negative zone and they're just like hey do you think reed's acting odd and they're it's just like oh yeah totally that's not reed and it's like you think so because that's what tigra was saying and who cares um they find Fre- reed and annihilus fighting the android uh the they fight it as well the android takes off for the entrance to the negative zone because it just wants it all to stop uh they there's a moment where they're just like so if you're the real reed and he's like of course i'm the real reed fuck you um yeah, I don't and, remember uh, how they convince him other than he's just like, of course I am. He's like, oh yeah, checks out. <laughs> uh, and he's just like, by the way, check your tethers. And they are then surprised to discover that the lines have been cut. Um, so Sue arrives back at the Baxter building. Because Ben, uh, because ben and Johnny left the brain cell that they're sharing in the Baxter building. Yeah. Uh, Sue arrives back there and she's like, Franklin's been kidnapped. And he's like, it takes the other read like a minute to decide how to react. And then she's like, you're not my husband. And he's like, well, might as well kill you. So he like batters her force field until she passes out and then he throws her out a window is this the one is i can't get the issue to load because my internet's being dodgy but like is this the one where as soon as he as soon as she decides it she goes full offensive with the force fields yeah that's awesome like i know it's it's one goddamn one goddamn panel but like um but it's so cool. I don't know why it struck me so hard, but like, and then she immediately, like, as soon as he brutes out, um, she, she immediately starts doing it 
defensive again, and she's used the the force fields offensively before, but like the way she lashes out with this, it's like, oh shit, like. And she actually, she does some cool shit in the next issue mm-hmm. um, with, like, getting, well, well, we'll get to that. But, like, um, that moment ruled. And uh, yeah. I, yeah, just wanted to mention that. So. Cool. Uh, FF number 183 <laughs> has a cover by George Perez and Joe Sinnott and is written by Bill Mantlo, Len Wein, Jim Shooter, Roger Stern, Ralph Macchio, and Roger Slifer, colored by Phil Rachelson and lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Thing and Tigra are on their way back to the Baxter building when they see Sue um, get defenestrated. Um, and so they're like, we're too far away. So Thundra picks up Impossible Man and chucks him at her. He's like, oh yeah, they can't transform into other stuff. Might as well do something, I guess. So he saves her. Um, Reed Richards is just like, God damn it. Well, okay. And so he goes back and reprograms the Baxter Building's defenses. Inside the negative zone, um, everybody is brought back up to speed. At which point, um, Annihilus is just like, I'll help you get back to your world so you can stop it. Um, and Reed's like, and I promise once we do, I will return the cosmic control rod to you. And Ben and Johnny are like, what? And he's like, no, it's fine. So the Mad Thinker arrives at the Baxter building. Um... At the same time that Tigra, Thundra and invisible woman do um the the impossible man just fucks off because of course he does um and they battle their way through the baxter building's defenses and when i say that sue does a bunch of cool shit it's really it's really interesting because like she creates stepping platforms for tigra to be able to get to a shutoff switch and like all of this shit. It's very cool. Um, but they managed to get through, um, at which point we switch back to the negative zone. The ship, the denialist gives Reed, Ben and Johnny is attacked by scaven by weird boar creatures, um, and goes down. They then use the bits and pieces to create a, device that will allow them to find their way back to earth um meanwhile ben uses a jetpack that they happen to find in the ship um so they arrive uh and there be what follows is a knockdown drag out between um so the android comes through the portal, it and the brute fight, and then it blasts the brute, which causes him to revert back to Reed Richards. Um, Reed, Ben, and Johnny arrive, and then they all face the android. Um, and the uh, 
the mad thinker is just like oh shit thundra and tigra are here too and there's another reed and clearly i have not gotten this right i need to get the fuck out of here um so they managed to take out the android at which point re 616 reed is about to take the cosmic control rod and return it to annihilus but then counter earth reed is just like no i'll do it that blast returned me to sanity uh and it is far better that I do it because I have nothing to lose. Um, so he goes into the negative zone. Whoop the fucking do. <sighs> Thank God that is over. Yes. Um, Fantastic Four number 184 has a cover by George Perez, Joe Sinnott, and Danny Crespi and is written by Len Wein, penciled by George Perez, inked by Joe Sinnott. Colored by Glynis Ween, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Len Ween. The initial part of this is picking up the pieces after everything's been said and done. Reed is put to bed to get some rest. Uh, Ben is left by everybody else to try and pick up all of the destroyed equipment and rubble. And so he just shoves it under the floor. Um, So... There's this giant pile underneath this floor, and there's like a mound. And I remember that the Baxter building is a building, so that when he jumps on it to shove it down, all that shit just goes under into, into the floor below. And yeah. I bet like the people come to work on Monday and are like, "What the fuck? <laughs> there's all this yeah. super science everywhere." There's some <laughs> there's some telemarketing company yeah. under them, and like everybody comes in. And there's, like, super science shit everywhere, and they're just like, I'm not dealing with that. Nope. Uh, I guess Amway will have to figure out what to do without me today. Uh, So, yeah, so Johnny is just like, I'm out, and goes flying, but then he's hit by something and disappears. Um, Ben jumps on some shit and forces it, down into the floor below them and sue comes out and she's like what the fuck was that and he was like nothing um reed comes and so reed comes to and sue tells tells reed about franklin's disappearance and she's like we gotta we gotta go we gotta get the others and we gotta go to um what's it called whisper hill whisper hill and reed's like you're absolutely right, except that you guys should go without me, because if there really is danger, I'll just hold you back. And she's like, you idiot, put on this put on this jumpsuit and let's go. Uh, because yeah. you've always been more to us than your stretching ability. Like that. And I do like, she's just like, if if all that mattered to us was your stretching, we could have replaced you at any time with a rubber band. She's yeah. like, Sue's you are so much more than that. Sue um, gets to be really awesome in a couple of these two, a couple of these issues. Uh, like that shit's yeah. cool as hell. That she doesn't let him wallow in this shit. She's just like, yeah. no, that's wrong. Like, let me dissuade you of any aspersions that you have. Like, yeah. you're you're done. Get in the suit and get. Let's yeah. go get. It. So they go out. And I also like that they, so 
Ben had called Alicia and asked about Franklin while Alicia was on the phone. And uh, Alicia, she had said, yeah, he's fine. Um, looking at an empty crib. And uh, so they come back in and tell Ben what's up. And Ben's like, well, I just don't understand why you didn't didn't tell me before. And Sue kind of looks at him with like, you know why. And Ben goes, yeah, I know why. I, yeah. I like that moment, too, because it's like, you did lie to me, but, and I should be mad, but you're absolutely right that I would have flown off the fucking handle. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So they go to Whisper Hill uh, in the fantastic car, send up a flare for Johnny. Uh, as they're arriving, they are shot by the same thing that hit Johnny and go down and... uh they go inside the house at Whisper Hill and find Johnny pinned to the wall. They let him down. Uh, they fight this thing called the Eliminator that is supposed to not only destroy Whisper Hill and remove any trace of Agatha Harkness, but also kill them because they were friends with her. So I, the thing that I don't understand is that means it also would have had to destroy the Avengers, because they knew Agatha Harkness, they would have, it definitely would have had to kill uh, Scarlet Witch, but it doesn't even make the attempt. Whatever. So, it attacks the Fantastic Four. There's a fight during which the Fantastic Four are seemingly killed. But wouldn't you know it, it was all a ploy. Uh, thinking that they're dead, the Eliminator sets itself to self-destruct, uh, and then they're just like, psych, and they run out of there as he blows up, destroying Whisper Hill. And they're just like, now what do we do about getting Franklin back? And that's that. So, what did you think of Fantastic Four? Um, I am glad that the last two issues happened when they did. Because otherwise, I think my I would have had a poor view of most of this. Um, but the Sue being rad and like Thundra, Thundra and Tigra and Sue doing the assault on the, on the lab was cool. Um, the stuff in the negative zone wasn't annoying like it normally is. And they, uh, got out really well. Um, the eliminator sucks, but the stuff around it is really good. Like yeah. the, like I just I went on and on about the suit, telling him to get on the suit, but also the plan is good. Like how they beat the Eliminator is good. Um, yeah, I'm okay with the Eliminator being a throwaway villain because I didn't need him. I needed the yeah. stuff. I needed the stuff that happened around him. So yeah, I, no, I, the Eliminator is just a plot device i really like the last two issues which is amazing because you normally when you have like this many writers on a book like it turns into a clusterfuck uh and this was both of them were fairly clear and concise um whereas some of the stuff that came before it was a little sloggy but yeah and yourself i yeah this this run of Fantastic Four was a bit of a slog because there was just so much going on. And 
It is. It's I I feel like the Annihilus thing could have been its own story, but instead was just a device to get Reed, Ben and Johnny back to Earth. Yeah. Um So I don't know. It was fine. it was fine. It was not my favorite Fantastic Four by any stretch. Uh, but unfortunately we have a long while before we get to Mark Wade's run. So I don't know. Well, <laughs> like, I, I, it, I mean, I'm fairly on record about not really enjoying fantastic four. So yeah, my bar is very low, but this is, but that's only because my experience is also very minimal. Um, yeah. so I actually enjoyed this because of the touch and go character beats that we did get to have. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's in brute is intre- the brute is interesting. It's also so it's really weird. The brute shows back up again way later. Uh but also he's in this version of brute is ostensibly in uh universe x uh because they they when uh when x51 sends out various teams to go to other earths to warn them about the celestial seed in the core of their planet the brute winds up there's a what if story wherein Again, listen to our other show. Uh, One of the early issues was what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? And in that, Sue winds up marrying Namor. Well, on that Earth, way in the future, Brute is found in the negative zone and replaces that Earth's Reed... And then becomes president. And he then... So then when representatives from X-51... It's Wolverine and Spider-Girl from... uh, Wolverine from a different Earth. um, They arrive there and are like... Hey, there's a celestial inside the planet. He goes full brood and attacks them. And then they're saved by Namor and Invisible Woman. And they're like, yeah, we dealt with the Celestial a long time ago. Thanks. It's under control. And yeah. So I don't know. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing. Cause I looked up to see if Brood ever shows up again and, uh, he does. So yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the last two issues more than the previous ones because there was, I enjoyed the tryout issue. Yeah. The tryout issue was at least um, funny. And fun. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of less so before that. I need yeah. to start looking at, like, the Frightful Four specifically as comic relief. I think I would be it, much... It depends. There were times... Because during... In Superior Carnage, they have the wizard in that. And they're trying to make it all poignant. And it's just kind of like, this is not why I read about the wizards. <laughs> like, don't try to do this. Yeah. Don't try to make him sad and and heartfelt. Duh, just no. 
Um, Because at that point in time, Black Bolt had, like, gotten sick of his shit and used his powers to fuck with Wizard's brain. And so he was, like, losing his cognitive faculties because of like a tumor created by black jesus christ like and like all this stuff and so wizard is just like slowly losing his grip during this story and trying to have one big last thing wherein because there's a clone of him who lives with the fantastic four and he's like trying to reach his son and it's just like why are you doing with this with the fucking wizard? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, no. So, anyway. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Top five. All right. Top, uh, top five. I, I want to say right off the top, uh, this was a rough one. <laughs> I uh, I had real I, trouble making it not all Fantastic Four from the last two issues. I had real a really hard time being like, I'm excited we're pretending Franklin might die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. All right, from me, number five is... I, I like the idea of Ben stopping in the middle of their run, romp through the jungle and just being like, wait, stop, who's the couple here? Is it you two or you two? Because you are bickering like married fools. Um, I, I like that idea. That's just... Gives, gives the kid like five bucks to get lost for a little while and he's just like, all right, now everybody fuck. It'll make the situation money in the jungle. Like, whatever. Would you use it when you get home? Uh, It's not worth anything anyway. Let me tell you about inflation. Um, (laughs) Number four, the uh, the editor in chief door. It was the best part of that issue. Um, And I've I've gone on about it, but it's in the top five. Uh, Number three is Sue, Tigreth, and Thundra both assaulting the lab and holding their own against Brute and the monster, or the android, for a little while. Like, that was real cool. They did a good job. Like, them just holding it down and working well in concert together, um, that is not Mm -hmm. a trio that I would have expected to work well together, but they did. Um, They bounced off each other really well. Yeah. Number two is Sue lashing out with her powers. That was fucking awesome. And then then the next issue, like all the cool things that she starts doing with it, that's real rad. And you can see these creators starting to realize that, oh, did we give her a lot more power than we meant to? Like, did Stan and Jack give us just a shitload to play with? And I like how they're being careful with it, though. Like, they're introducing things and being like, okay, so she was always, like, the meek one, and that was, like, her... That's why her powers manifested this way from a creative reason. 
Um, but like, what if she wasn't? How would her powers act then? Like, or how would she be able to use her powers to still reflect who she is as a person? Like, that's still cool. Um, yeah. I like I like it. Uh, and then number one is uh, Sue making Reed put on the uniform. That was, I mean, it's a reflection of the thing I was just talking about, them being a little careful with it, pushing Sue to have a little more agency. But, like, that's, it's rad for two reasons. One, Sue puts Reed in his place. And then also Reed, it's a good character moment also for Reed because he doesn't fight her on it. Like, he just accepts it. And it's really good. Um, and like I get that, re- I get their their married couple relationship re- comes through really strongly in that moment, and it seems healthy and good, and I liked it. So yeah. yeah. All right, that's me. Uh, <clears throat> number five for me. Uh, so we talked about we talked somewhat about uh, the the issue with the frightful four tryouts um there is one thing that i really enjoyed that we didn't really cover so captain ultra has a god-awful costume because it is the busiest costume ever created um and when he shows up they're just like whoa and he's like i like color and trapster's like i can fucking see that (laughs) and uh i just i really liked I like color. Um, so yeah, uh, number four. So you're a scientist, right? <laughs> then you know about rocks. And it's like, well, no, I'm. That's not the kind of sci- Whatever. Come look at this rock we found. But I'm not. You're a scientist. You can handle this. I believe uh, in you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Number three is Tigra, Thundra, and Invisible Woman. Uh, all just all of that. Yeah. Number two uh, is uh, you read fucking Richards. Like I, yeah, I really like how Sue just does not put up with that shit. She's just like, you think you're on the team because of your powers no your powers kind of fucking suck bro like you're not on the team because of that you're on the team because you're reed goddamn richards put on the jumpsuit and let's go save our goddamn son yeah uh yeah and then number one is power man number 46 uh where like yeah there's a lot of other priorities but luke doesn't just tell people I have no time for your shit. Like, we're all going to die if I don't. He, like, stops and he helps the old lady and he stops the sniper and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. And even the touch of, like, taking the old lady's groceries in her house. Like, yeah, he doesn't have to do that. And by all means, he sh- or by all, like, forethought, he kind of shouldn't because there is a bomb. But, like, yeah. he does and it's good. Yeah. So... Uh, so that is it for us this week. Uh, next week we have kind of a smattering. We have the first appearance of Sabretooth. We have some Fantastic Four, some Warlock, uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, 
Um, first issue of Spider Woman's series. Um, so yeah, tune in. Um, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU. Um, email us at watchersguide@gmail.com at or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Um, have a marvelous week. Bye.